Welcome to the Grow Home Discussions, a podcast brought to you from growroom420.com. In the Grow Home Discussions, we discuss the many aspects around growing cannabis. We hope you enjoy this episode. Check out our other podcasts. And of course, come and say hello on the forum at growroom420.com. Right, so yield per growing area is, I think, the way to start this one. Um, and what you're trying to achieve from the area that you're growing in. So... Do you want to spearhead this one and I'll tag along? Yeah, well, I, I, I think I've got some questions to ask you almost okay. because I, yeah, like I say, I try and were, I try my run my spaces as efficiently as possible, but I know that I am kind of really doing an injustice to the amount of area I have available. Or what I turn out for the area that I'm using, to be honest. Like, don't get me wrong, I'm well within like the correct lighting ranges, but I'm not really pushing the yield for the area, I'm pushing the yield for the amount of light I'm using. So it's more like my running cost is kind of my focus. But I definitely know if I were to uh, ignore running costs, I'd be able to turn out more volume for the space that I have. Yeah. So high return for area, I think it's training. Like the, the, the simple and easiest way to get a high return for area is training methods. And that could be a whole other discussion. We keep saying that, but we'll, we'll dig into it. I mean, if you've got an even spread, which you have, and we spoke about that in a previous episode with your light, and you've really tried to get a even, um, spread of light that's you know that covers the entire tent to me the best way to use that and the way that i've ended up using it subconsciously that net was them nets were never meant to be scrogs but it's ended up that way because i am covering my entire area it's obviously a flat even canopy and i know that you like to grow the way i love the way you grow your plants um but to get the most from an even spread of light which you've really focused on to try and be as economical as possible to try and get the highest return. I do think that scrogging may be the way forward in your bigger tents, but obviously that's an issue when you are rotating and perpetual harvest. Well, it isn't, but it is. I mean, it's very yeah, hard to... I know what you mean. I, I'm i definitely thinking about it for some of the spaces, but I don't have full access to the 2.4 to yeah. to use a scrog net. Like, well, I kind of uh, say I need access from three sides or at least good access on three sides to scrog. Well, you do and you don't. Now, there's ways of doing it, and I'm, I haven't got the same. I, I, I've access to one side of my 2.4, 1.2. It's a, it's a difficult for me to get to the back side of it, but I can if I really have to. And that's probably why I drop things on my lights because I'm hanging off of the hanging bars and shit <laughs> to get in there, moving the uh, the light bars about. But uh, that lazy scrog method is where that come from because I basically I'll veg the plant until they're four foot tall, and by that point, if you was to then flatten them. Like you've got to top it early so you can flatten them. You can't bend the main stalk. You can, but I mean, I wouldn't recommend anyone doing that with a two-inch stalk. But um, you can do that. I mean, you, you, I, I lazy scrog to the point, the way that I call it lazy scrog, is I've got four-foot-tall plants, and then I'd literally flatten them, and that covers the entire area. I mean, I might have to run another week with a bit of tucking. So there's ways to do it. It just means you can't have a permanent net in there. You'll have to have something. That's why, again, I've ended up with the elasticated nets. And the way that I grow, but I do end up basically scrogging without having to be finicky about it and having to be in there every day tucking. I just 
you you could effectively do that by with, with your perpetual grow cycle half a tent just putting four in there that are four foot tall and flattening them out and it should i mean it really should you might need another week and the beautiful thing about that is the minute you flatten them this is where you lose a bit of time though so i'm, I'm through laziness but through you from necessity um of not being able to be having to do say half and half the tent you would yet the lower growth doesn't catch up as fast this way because obviously it's focused on the top growth but the minute you flatten it is an explosion of growth because you've already got a well-established root uh, mass you've got an established older plant that's now suddenly got 90 percent of the plant at the same level reaching for the same light instead of it focusing on the few tops that are there but it's probably not the fastest way to do it a full scrub would probably be faster but i'm lazy but for necessity you couldn't but yield per area what as i said what i was getting at is is you've got a perfect spread of light you want to make most of all of that area that 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 that, that to me from my experiences is, is going to be the only way that you're going to maximize your return on it maximize that makes a lot of sense so if you've got a hot spot in the middle then it's like you know this really ties into everything we spoke about um obviously releasing these over a couple of days but the 60 by 60 having six plants in a 60 by 60 area is the same as having one plant in a 60 by 60 area because you've got a 60 by 60 hotspot of light above it you can have as long as you're using that area but you are effectively using the perfect amount of watts for your size tent for the lights that you're using but you're not necessarily using every inch of the space available to you so you're you're sort of using 80 percent of the space by the structure of plants that you have to the area that the 80 percent of the space you have for your plants but it doesn't mean you're doing it wrong it does, it does, i'm envious of your plants man the, the one that you're using now that grow uh, as your, your picture on here it was astonishing and you do get bigger bigger buds but well, the other that thing was that, a scrog man that was a scrog yeah so yeah i mean I, I that's the one tent i scrog in because i have the most clean access is that well and I, i'm thinking of a different plant then. that's not the amnesia is it yeah that is it is was that a scrog yeah, man. You scrog like me. It's, it, it's funny as well. When, well, no. It's like, because I was like, ah, it's amnesia. It's going to be a fucking 12-week flower. I schwazzed it, yeah. like, savagely. And I was like, ah, it's got six tops. That'll do, because I had to grow around the hotspot that you're talking about. Yeah. Um, And it just didn't stop. This thing just went, whoa, whoa, whoa. It's like, what the hell? Like, plant, man. Yeah, K Bag was like, plant. you didn't get a cut, and it's your best plant I've seen you do. You're going to be so upset at the end. And I'm like, yeah, you know what? It, I didn't tell you, Royal Queen messaged about that plant on Instagram as well. Who's that? Sorry? Said it. Royal Queen. Oh, really? Yeah, that's madness. One. They shared it in their store. I don't know if I told you. I think I was just busy that day. One of them was, you think, I'll, I'll send in the thing. They shared the plant as well. And they don't share a lot more, Queen. So, no, I said man. About that plant. They're selective, but that's yeah. oh, big ups. Yeah, <laughs> Fair play. But yeah, it was just some plants surprise you. And I don't know if it was a seed plant or what, but it that plant just didn't stop. It just fucking went for it. Yeah. And that was, but like you say, that was a scrog plant, but not. Not any traditional kind of scrog. Like, I stripped it to the point of the net, yeah, and then it just went. I just left it. The net was there to kind of support the the shoulders of the limbs. Yeah, see, that, that's sort of where I'm at. It's that, and you said, good example, good word for it is, like, lazy LST, almost. It, it's <laughs> sort of where I'm at. But maybe having a go, just having a go at letting four plants get out of control, which is 
no problem for any grower that wants doesn't want to be in there every day <laughs> and flatten the fuck out of them because it works. It seems to work for me. I mean, but I am vegging longer than most people. That is the yeah, downside to it. I think also, I'm not sure if it's your temperature, your light or what, but I very quickly form like a woody structure that I talk about sometimes where I get yeah. kebab skewers when I try and bend stuff. It like just pops out of the inside. Yeah, it might well So be. it's not a method that I've, uh, I, I have tried it, but I, I don't know, that, man. Because you're always a lot lower than me humidity wise. I, and it would make sense for something to be a bit drier in structure to to do that to wood out yeah man yeah. i wouldn't surprise me it wouldn't surprise me if it was heat i mean heat driven in a secondary sense so because you've got a much uh, better ambient that's higher so your growth rate's higher so the new growth is producing itself much faster it's softer yeah where I'm developing more, much more woody tissue because it's slower rate production, much closer knit. Do you remember the, the growth rings? Growth rings? I had a fucking plant. I can't even remember which it was now, man. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that was purple mad, queen. man. That it was, was yeah. mad. Fucking chop the main stem and it's got growth rings of time of abuse and part times of like peak growth where it's like real dense growing structure where it's slow putting in this real heavy yeah. duty ring. It was a fucking tree, wasn't it? It was, yeah, it was mad. Yeah, I, <laughs> it, it, they, I can't call them yearly growth rings because it wasn't that old, but yeah, man, it was definitely like you could see the different gr- stages of its life cycle from what was going on from them rings. I thought it was fucking cool. Yeah, well, it was. But then you might be onto something there. So this is where you've got to bend one of your rules, maybe, would be you're trying to maximise fat out of the output you're using. But obviously, this is this is what we said. I don't know if we said it in this conversation about having something that's not continual outgoings, but running at higher temperatures does cost me considerable money, especially in the, in the colder months. Or that can be said for the hotter months, trying to cool it down. So... I just want to get this out there. The way we're talking here, GMO, we're not saying that I'm, I'm growing a lot more than GMO. I'd say GMO definitely um, does a bit better than me with his plants. But, I mean, we grow differently. That's why the question's been asked. I just wanted to throw that one out there. I'm not giving it to They're giving GMO advice on how to grow. No, man. We're but, always trading advice. Yeah, that's the, the way end of the day. It, yeah. Like, if, yeah, if, we, if we find something we want to share the information and if somebody can use it to their advantage or tries it and doesn't like it, that's all we're trying to offer. So, so big respect to you. No, nah, man, I, I take your advice very highly. So yeah, don't ever feel like you'd, you're not, you're not allowed to give me advice. Like no, I know. It's just, it's a tricky one, isn't it? I think, cause we're all quite humble on that forum and it can be a bit tricky sometimes, but I, I do think training is 90% of it. I think your, your lighting is probably up there with some of the uh, the best spread and, and the most efficient for space um, that I've seen on that forum or in most places. You've done really well in the way that you've done that. You've got a good space. You do use it well. It's just a training that I would I would change from my style of growing. Would You're be saying a, I'm a shit trainer? No, it's just a, the training has to be for yield no. per area. I think has to be the most important thing. But then I think you probably out yield me. I don't know what we we don't really discuss that, but you probably do out yield me. So I, I think it's strain dependent as well. Some strains will react better to that than fucking uh, Coke bottle size 
buds that are in your picture there to my way that I do it, which is a lot of smaller ones, to be honest, you know, two to three well, inches. Yeah, man, them Coke bottles didn't weigh shit. See, you know, this is a this is the thing. I this we can, we can, we can, this can be another discussion. This can be this one. So yeah, it's part of the same discussion, man. Picture perfect buds versus the ones you can feel and taste and touch. But I do think that smaller buds tend to weigh more. And the reason I say that is, is the biggest yield that I ever had was the Exodus, and that's not a that's not a, a, a two liter bottle size colas. It's just not. I've had plants that have been close to two liter bottle size colas, and they weigh a lot less. So I'm not saying obviously there is the density of the bud and the tightness of the bud and the structure. But what I'm saying is, is I do think that a more buds on a canopy. Um, are getting ripened off better and they're sort of like you know the outside of the bud it it, it will even on a, on a an airy bud it, it sort of firms up and gets bulbous towards the end and i think smaller buds all over the place is better but nowhere near as beautiful as these these big big ones and i've done both with the agent orange that was monsters but again i've done that on another run where i produced now this is a really good uh, segue for this it's something you both spoke about whether a plant is not this is really how to say this. a plant will produce similar amounts no matter how it's trained or how many tops per wattage per area. Um, obviously, there'll be some people that just are better at what they do and they will get more. But I grew the Asian orange with Coke bottled size buds. It was impressive, beautiful. I also grew it with 10 times more uh, my tops coming through the net and it ended up much smaller. They all seem to sort of end up the same. So I want to throw in one more factor being root space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Spot Being, it's spot it's like the 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 three, kind of. Yeah. Like, well, it's the most important, isn't it? Really, for me, like, probably out of them three, I would go. Yeah, I, I think it matters a lot. Yeah. So again, yeah, root space. So we obviously, uh, pot size is important, and there's so many factors to yield per area. So there's but so many ways we can I, go with I, this. But I do have to uh, kind of just agree with your what you were saying, man. I think. For a, if you're talking about a single genetic, like a single cultivar, a single clone that you run consistently, yeah. I think that you you'll get to a point that you can maximise the amount that that root space for the area can actually yield, yeah. be it in one big single collar or lot or ten little buds, that might vary the quality. That is that's something that I would like to get onto. This one's going to be all over the place, but but on that, what you what you said there, spot on. I've grown two strains repetitively over the years now, and they've always ended up the same numbers, no matter how I've grown them. I mean, very similar numbers. Um, there's no been no mad swings, and I put a lot of that down to the environment at the time as well. If there has been a slight swing, but like the Agent Orange per one point two by one point two area, I was doing around twenty one. To 22 ounces consecutive consistently no matter how i grew the thing no matter how many tops no matter how fat the colas no matter how low the net no matter how i did it for the exodus it was around 25 to 29 every single time per 1.2 1.2 area every single time i grew the plant it was between 25 and 29 it was never lower but never higher and it's the same with the thing and when you really focus that in that it's not amazing numbers but it's a pretty specific number now the agent orange grown four times ended up within an ounce difference per four plants. And I grew it, you go back and look at the diaries, I, I let it go three foot, I let it go 12 inches, I let it go, you know what I mean? So, so man, Watson Potts isn't the end all be all, but yeah. it is still a factor. Of course, yeah, but they that's, were in the same thing. Pots, 
Well, yeah. no, I did change the pot size after Kberg said it, but Ooh. veg time though would, be, would have been the same. So obviously mm-hmm. there would be more roots, but yeah, there's a lot of factors to it. But I do think there's definitely something in that. Definitely something in that to um, getting the yield from the area with the strain you're working with. And again, I know someone that's gone and done 34 ounces with the Agent Orange in smaller pots. Now, like this is getting a proper uh, spanner in the works here. Someone done it in smaller pots, done 34 ounces in the same area under the same line. Yeah, different air, different space, different air yeah, quality. Yeah. Like, there's a lot can be said for spare room growers, man. Yeah. I think they benefit from supplemented CO2 that they don't necessarily know yeah. about. Yeah, yeah, you know, you're right there. You're right. So, yeah, I think that the best way to say that would be from my area, I've seen very little difference growing the same strains back to back. Yeah, man. I mean, don't get me wrong. That this whole uh, thing we're to, the, what the limitings that we're talking about are very specific to a single grower, single environment, single cultivar. Yeah. Like until you break those factors, then you can kind of start talking about the other factors that we. Yeah. first initially put out because that even nutrition is going to be a slight difference like you can pump shit slightly differently but if you've got your routine that you kind of generally stick to then that's that's your your sops your standard operating procedures that they are your factors so but the, the basics back to the basics of it for me for yield per area is going to be first spread of light and then training both of them tying very very um, close together. I mean, they're both integral to each other. I mean, you do not need a sprog if you are putting a thousand watt of light in the hot spot in the middle. It, to me, you just don't. I know people do do that, but obviously, a thousand watt of light is is going to produce, you know, mad readings out to the corners of the tent. But the reality is to really make the most of a, a sprog type setup. But then, if you are growing with a thousand watt of light, I would be much more comfortable losing some space on the outside, and maybe like LST a plant into an octopus in the middle, upside down. But it's, 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 it's growing styles and, and growing styles and preferences, really. I mean, mine's done through laziness. I admit that uh, way that I train. Um, I, but, I think also genetics we're accustomed to. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, uh, I, I bet Agent Orange and XO would be trained differently in the same situations. Yeah, they were comp- I tried to. I took the XO training into the Agent Orange. Um, XO, if anyone doesn't know, is, is a real short plant, won't really stretch at all. The Agent Orange is the complete opposite. It will go three, four foot in veg if you really let it. And it was still just a beautiful plant. I'm not going to get into that strain again, but it's completely different. And I tried the first time to take my knowledge into the Agent Orange, and that didn't work out too well. Although it still yielded the same, it just it wasn't aesthetically pleasing at all. But yeah, so I think light spread, um, which you've got, uh, training style, which you do anyway. I mean, it, it, well, it's, on training style, do you think there's value to supporting codders so that they don't use energy on supporting themselves? This is something I thought about many a time, mate, and it's I get different answers every time. Uh, I think the stronger that a stem is. The, the more nutrients you can pass through it. It's the same way that we would, you know, pinch and bend um, when doing those Australian and things like that uh, to get knuckles. You know, it's a super highway is what you're effectively trying to achieve there. So if you are creating a weak spindly plant, um, 
by supporting it and not having fans battering it at certain points of its life, then you're doing the opposite to what you, in my head, to what you'd be trying to do by pinching stems and trying to create super highways um, for solution of feed or nutrient, if you want to call it, to, to move through and to, to build the upper uh, bud sites of the plant. But you do need to support it. There's no question about that, especially I don't, I try not to support them until they are laying down. Like if mine start to fall over, I leave them until they're laying down on the bottom net. Then the second support net goes in. Or if I know, no, again, strain dependent, Agent Orange, I'll put a second net in because I know it's going to need it. No matter how strong them stems are, it's never going to stand up at like three foot tall from the bottom net. But yeah, it's a bit of a weird one. No, it's, it's a tricky one. It is a tricky one. Um, I think I'm definitely going to have to go back to hammering a single strain to do my test work and work out what's going on before I start trying to implement a new regime on other things. I've got a question for you uh, about what we just spoke about, about lighting. So we've had the discussion about MH, you went back into it, but the, they seem to be more vigorous and they seem to be happier plants. And I haven't fed under LED. Still, I have. I've just done one, but I can't really see the structure because I'm scrubbing so low. Do you think that the more light or the, the better the light, not more light, there's in stupid amounts of light, but you know, a, a bit more light than say what you use in veg would be beneficial to creating um, a stronger root mass and plant in veg. And that may translate into flower. I think I was do overdoing it. Overdoing it, yeah. Um, if you check out the head to head, what shit's the shit? Well, I can't remember what I named it, but um, the GHO comparison growth with the living soil. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, like I say, they're under 150 watts for 1.2 by 1 meter, and I think I was—I I have to check still because I think it might even be running at 70 watts. So they're doing incredibly well. Basically, they're super healthy, super vigorous, and their structure—their disco doesn't often support itself. But this looks like majority of it's not going to be too much of a worry. Fair um, so yeah, I think there's a lot of value with LED at least to give them the right amount being a very low amount for a long time in the build-up. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure if, yeah, wind's something that I'm playing with, but I don't know about. Stem pinching is something that I'm finding very, uh, useful. I've got to admit. I've got a runts that I'm playing with and... I'm not knuckling it, but I'm pinching the stem every inch. Yeah. And That'd be interesting after, to see a video. Have to give me a video of that when you're up there next. After a day, man, this thing, you can't pinch the same inch twice. Yeah, yeah. Like, it won't collapse the next day. It, I'm not necessarily doing it to the point super crop, because I'm working my way from the main stem out to form kind of the structure, but it sets. Like, really sets in place. Yeah. So that's another way on. I think we talked about it on the mother podcast. Uh, the, yeah, the mother discussion. But um, I'm looking for plants that are structurally sound in their own support, basically. Like, yeah, I, I think that's very important. I want the shoulders on the nodes and I want the branching to taper in a good way to actually support the weight. Like, So, yeah, my selection process is kind of changing. 
for me on that point, if it's a strong structured plant, which is what I was getting at, which is, as you said, with LED, you can do that with light wages. But I want that structure because to me, if it's spindly or if there's a, you know, if you get that, you always get that bud that falls down the back behind the net, you can't bother to get it out. Or if you're scrogging, you know what I mean? There'd be that one that's just not getting any light, no wind. And it's always a bit shit. It's airy. It's, it's um, never mature because it hasn't had the light. But that's not the point is, is the structure is shit and the bud. It's not as tight as the buds that have been sat there in the light and the fans. And I do think that wind from fans or air movement from fans is, is, is really important in veg, really important for building up these strong stems. Um, it's something that I use now. I, I, I've got them eco fans uh, from Ram and they, they move air, a lot of it. Never use them on full power. I have them, I mean, where it's an oscillating louvre front, not, never one part of the plant is getting smashed for the constant, for the full time it's on. But I'm definitely noticing much stronger, much sturdier plants, especially from seed. Now we all know if you go from clone, you go from seed, the clone is woody, it's a lot, a lot more pliable. You're not going to snap it as easily. But See, your term for woody and my term for woody is really different. Woody, I think of as I can't move it and it's not pliable. Yeah. I find anything's pliable if you spend enough time trying to ply it or beat it. <laughs> Fair. But I, again, I I don't know if it's my, my how I veg stuff or if it's LED or if it's just because I've got a slow growth rate in veg. Yeah. But I do often have wood in yeah I, i've often got wood i wake up with it um but anyway um i've often got woody stems to the point if i bend something without giving it an, an initial like squidge to kind yeah. of break up the structure i will pop out a, a skewer that's mad yeah. i've never done that i've never I've, I've worked with some really old clones that i would class as brutal wood, this but... is even with seed plants man that's mad yeah it's crazy I, yeah, I really don't know. It's like it desheaths them, just peels the skin off, and I end up with like the the branch of my hand, and there's a fucking skewer sticking out of the plant. Yeah, no, actually, yeah, I've I've never never done that, but I just I don't know. I I, I really on on the training front, I will start from the base of like say so, so say you're working from a top. It's easy to imagine you've got the two bases. I will start from there and start bending, and then move up an inch, start bending. But I'm talking about you're talking about doing it gradually over days, but I mean, when I'm trying to flatten under the net per se, I will literally, the whole, I will make the whole stem weaker. I mean, if, even if it's three foot long and I will just sort of pinch bend, pinch bend, pinch bend. So I'm not trying to bend one place. The whole stem coming off that part of the plant is... The arcs. Yeah, basically. So that might be why I'm getting away with that. In that way, but I only do that once. That's only done when I do the, the first initial lazy scrog. After that, everything is new growth. So it's it's easy to play with. But yeah. It, it's interesting to hear the different hands-on techniques, man. So we should do some videos of this. We should. I'm gonna I, I mean I've got this set up, this tent set up up here. I'll do videos for the channel. So I'm gonna I'll, I might try and bring a four-foot plant around from the house <laughs> in the back of the car to, to try and do it, but if not, I'll just do it in the tent. But the point being is, yeah, we should do them because I think everyone's different, even down to the minutest detail, i.e. how we're making plants bend to submission. Twisting Probably. plants, man. It sounds weird, but nobody mentions twisting nodes out. Like I mentioned earlier with the, the like lateral training, your, yeah, yeah. your vertical growth. Sometimes I'll twist the stem so I do have to, to work with that are going to grow evenly. Yeah. 
I've never right. done that either. I've always wanted to play with a plant, like ornamentally play with the plant and do something mental to it. I don't know, a spiral stem, you know what I mean? Snoop Dogg. Yeah, this is, but I've, I've never done it, man. Never done any of that. But uh, Do you follow Light Addicted original on Instagram? I don't know. I can't not come into mind. And we it, may well be following, but it's a UK grower and he makes some ridiculous stuff. He did an 11 strain graft in the, sh- and it said it spells out Snoop. That's mad. Yeah. And that's flowered as well. Finished plant buds made out to say Snoop. Fuck. Yeah. yeah he's, dude's got skills. So I want to do get into the grafting and all that as well. I mean, that'd be so, that'd be such an easy way to keep a few strains. But yeah, that's just what I'm saying. There's a, there's a thousand different conversations to be had. But as far as yield per, per area, I don't know if we're trying to say maximum yield from area or or think we are. Yeah, I'm. I'm just curious to how how to maximise yield for area, not maximum, but how to improve potentially. How how to get the most out of the area because that's something I think I do struggle with, and maybe it's my perpetual that kind of hinders it a bit because i don't fill the space to every inch well that's the answer in itself for me from where i grow is it's just not making most of every inch of space Mm. but to do that you have to have a good spread of light which you do have and the way that i look at it as well is it's a much cleaner environment or much cleaner workspace obviously once you're into mid flower there's colors everywhere but the way that i do it or no even more a conventional scrog would be that if you can keep it low enough, you've got a big, big, tall, clean, clean environment to flower in. That makes sense. You're working off of a second flooring, basically. But if you get it real thick, I mean, so airflow is really good. As long as you've got something moving underneath the canopy. But I mean, airflow is really good. And again, it allows you to really blast these these tops about with the fans. So, I, 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 yeah, I think it's just, it's a simple one because it's just going to be a spread of light and the right light, not too much of it. Not too little of it, and and your training method. I don't think you can beat a scrog at the moment where I'm at in my growing journey. I don't think you can beat a scrog for yield. Doesn't mean I'm right, but from my experiences and where I've ended up, almost subconsciously to the training methods that I use to maximise. I always this is something I say about on Instagram a lot as well when I'm doing my posts to maximise the yield. To maximise your yield from grow area is exactly that is training. So I don't get mainlining. I don't get a few. I think that's more half ornamental. Um, but then if you said the same plant will produce the same no matter how many tops, and maybe it works. But Yeah, I think when it comes to mainlining, and it's probably a part two of this discussion, it's almost like um, lollipopping for quality. Yeah. Do you still get the same volume of um, plant material in harvest? But is it a higher quality i think that is a different discussion for another day yeah, i'm writing that one down yeah because that is a good one but um yeah i i, I, I don't know how else it, we keep going yeah no it's tricky without almost leading on to the next part and i i understand that and i kind of like that about this discussion yeah. it's almost open-ended to the point i've got to try it with a few genetics to almost understand what genetics need support which genetics do better with the stress of having to deal with their own weight yeah um and lots of kind of personal factors in my grow space exactly this is the thing it's not that we're comparing each other's grow spaces but you have 
lower temps and lower humidity. And that's two massive contributing factors to how we would be different. Not better, not producing more, but how we would be different. Yeah. I'm sure that if I went into your grow space and tried to grow exactly as I grow, I would probably do some damage to the plants, you know, because they're not going to be as supple, I'd imagine. I think I do think that humidity is what's something to do with it. Now, the more I think about it, I do. I don't know anything on the science of it, but I do think maybe the lower humidity is what's making them really woody. When you it, think would, about it. it would make a, a, a lot of sense just on a defensive system to prevent themselves losing too much moisture. Yeah, exactly. this, this is it. They have a, a woody stem to be losing moisture, whereas mine are probably through veg. This is this is it. The through veg, I'm at 80 90 percent most of the time out there. That's madness. I know I, I need to get a bigger fan, but in flower, I start controlling that with external kit. But yeah, so mine in veg are probably really supple if that is the case, mm-hmm. but. Yeah, no, I, I think that training, like I said, light spread, light training, uh, light training and light spread are very important. Pot size, very important, depending on the medium. There's something I've not really got into, but if you're in a soil, you need a big pot to do well. I mean, that's just the reality of it. If you're in cocoa, you want a decent sized pot to do well. I know that some people use five litre pots and seem to do well, but I'd love to see them people using 15 litre pots just for one run. And I, I would put money on them destroying what they thought was a good, good yield at the end of it. But that's just, again, my opinion. But I, I do think that... that's. I mean, there's so many things. I'd like to see so many growers doing different things, using different things, just to see how it would work. But That would be cool. A little uh, grower's challenge board. We should, if, yeah. if, people's up, if people are up for doing, like, a, a request almost. Yeah. And get another grower to throw out a challenge. Like, okay, double your normal pot size. Yeah. This is it. I do. I mean, like, I'm not going to make sure I both know we're talking about it with the five litre pots and they do insanely well. And I, they don't really train either. So I, it's a bit of a spanner in the works. The but, thing is, dude, I've taken to these five litre pots and they work fucking well. Yeah. There's it's something just, about that size just being right for the amount of veg time he runs as well. Yeah. So. That's just it. That, that is exactly it, though. It's that personal side of it and how long things get done. So, um, what I was going to get to there, sorry, back to what you said about running the different strains to really work out what it is. That's why I always advocate people running clones for a few runs. Yes, it's going to get a bit boring, but every clone will react differently. Mm-hmm. But if you are running the same plant back to back three different times using three different training methods, as I've done a few times, I said I've ended up with the same results almost, I mean, to the ounce. But it showed me my environment with that, only that strain, yes. But you are covering a lot of factors running identical plants back to back. And you can yeah, push things knocking in out variables. Like, yeah, it, it, it does take away a lot of guesswork. And when you're growing in something like cocoa, there's not a lot of guesswork anyway. But you could do it in any medium. What I'm saying is if you were to run eight clones in there on in your big tent and do a full scrog, like, I mean, a low full scrog on one side and do your normal training off on the other, there's no better test than that. That that would be the way to see if, if, a, if a full in-depth full scrog or the way you normally do it, or if you was to run... 10 litre pots and five litre pots and half and half. But if you're doing it with the identical plant, yeah, the temperature may be different from what it was six months ago in that area. The humidity may be different, but that exact moment in time, that exact moment in time, you have got about as controlled a test as you're going to get for your environment because they're growing at the same time on eight plants. But I know you, I know that you like to have a varied, uh, varied, uh, in product in jars so you can be your was it we called it a, a weed snob yeah man <laughs> so but 
yeah, but it's it, it, I, I do. I want. I think everybody on the planet that grows should do that at some point. Run the same strain three times in a row. And if you've got a big enough tent, run half of it differently to the other. And you will learn so much about the way you grow. It's unreal. I did. So, no, man, um, I think that's valid. This is one of them discussions where all you can do is go back to your grow room and test it with the genetics that you intend to keep around in that space. Yeah. Like running seed after seed <laughs> isn't going to answer this question. No, it's not, no. So training light pot size, maybe depending on medium. I mean, it's a very important pot size, but depending on medium, as you've just said, five litres doing you well with cocoa. So but in soil, I mean, you'd agree that you need a considerable size pot really to really get the most from the area depends but yes yeah i yeah that's another high level conversation yeah so i know if we're, if we're talking about new growers buying compost out of yeah. b&q yeah in a five liter pot then you, 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 want, you need the right size pot side right for size pot and compost so yeah i can't think of anything else that could really attribute to it obviously we are missing a huge one which is environment but, yeah having a dial i suppose is well, yeah. we, we alluded to that when you were saying like we're running different environments. So yeah. I could knock it into a different range, but that almost brings us back to, was it the last conversation or was it this one? Where, sure a few today. It, <laughs> where it's like, yeah, out, output to yield. I suppose yeah. environment is literally like, that's the key expense for most. So if I was looking to, uh, yeah, throw, throw budget to the wind and be like, I'm going to have it lab conditions maybe that is the the defining factor to finish off the maximizing the oh, efficiency yeah. of a space maximizing increasing yield and quality is 100 percent about having it spot on but what is spot on for your environment as you talk about vpd now i was like to look, I, you know I, that was a, a new one to me really to be honest and i was speaking to pete but i mean just because you're running at the ideal temperature doesn't mean you're running in the ideal environment does it so it's, it's quite mad. There's so many rabbit holes of all this stuff. But as far as environment, my outlook on it is, mate, do the best you can with what you've got mm-hmm. and see where you end up. Because we're all running different. I spent a lot of money on fan controllers and big-ass fans, and I still nowhere near what would be classed as ideal numbers. But if I'm at ideal numbers, is my uh, is ideal temperature is my humidity, right? But do as good as you can with environment, and that will definitely help increase yield from an area but it's difficult to say what the perfect environment is and how close you can get to it i wouldn't let that be the deciding factor as well whether you think you're not doing it right or not always try and improve it but we all know all of us know pete we, we i don't think any of us are running for three days at a time at a perfect environment uh, cons- consistently there's always going to be up down times i mean what is it now probably about 14 degrees out there it'd be minus two tonight how do I control that? You know what I mean? It's, it's impossible. If I'm in an outdoor or a loft, it's impossible for me to do that unless I'm going to put another two, four kilowatt of heat out there. No. So, yeah, that, not sustainable when you're talking about 200 watts of light. Yeah, this is, this is it. This it, is all completely scalable, the entire idea of it. But focus on light, decent light, and the spread of it. Focus on your training method. Don't even have to be training. If you just filling your area correctly would be the same thing as scrogging if you're using smaller plants quicker vegetable time in that area you i don't know if you're going to get the same or not but i mean make the most of the area basically which sort of a bit of a backwards on the title of what we're talking about but fill the area if you've got room fill it as long as you can control the environment enough not to to, to negate the chances of mold being low 
keep good air movement, then you've got a, a tent that stay a meter by meter, have a meter by meter of, of colas. Why have 80 by 80? That's my outlook anyway. Just before we do wrap up, do you think mm. there's any value to side lighting? It's not something I've seen many people use, and I hear a lot of it talked about. So this is all going to be theoretical here. No. But... <laughs> no. Uh... It's tough because I'm sure there's going to be people out there that have got very expensive side lighting and see benefits. But it's like anything. You you said something to me that rocked my world a little bit. Um, I Bang on, I am cocoa girl. I love my cocoa, but... I was wasn't doing anywhere near as well in salt, but that's because my experience level and the time I've been growing has been a lot longer, and I got into cocoa and progressed from there. So what I'm getting at is, if someone's using sidelighting, is it really the sidelighting helping them? And if that's the case, why are we using silver mylar? That's um, when some people get in the way with a white cupboard or even a inside of a wardrobe and it seems to do well. I don't. I think supplemental lighting is different from sidelighting. I think yeah, supplemental lighting can be beneficial. But are you talking about side lighting as in down the side of the tent? Yeah, man. I'm not talking about filling in low light areas. I mean, yeah, literally like something yeah. close to canopy height pointed into the plants rather than down onto the plants. I can't see it hurting, but you're not going to have 600 watt there because you can't have it that close. So it's it's the same as, again, I think it was you that said it to me about putting a 100 watt LED in the middle of two 600 watt HPS. There's no point. But I don't know. I mean, I don't see how it can hurt to try it. But again, if you're going to do that and you want to know 100% if it's right, you really need to be running it side by side or at least back to back um, with and without with the sound. That's the only way to know if it's worth the extra outlay and the extra running costs for me. Yeah, that's kind of where my train of thought No, that's where my train of thought went, man. That for installing side lighting, let alone actually doing what you what you you're talking about and actually testing if it's valuable or not. I can't see it being worth the investment in money or time, to be no. quite honest. Unless it was something you planned on from the get go, but then it's more like that could potentially. Uh, I just had a little light bulb moment. So if I was running a single space that was just a single space that had to veg and then flower in, maybe side lights as a veg system for starting plants. So my lower canopy could just be gently lit. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, I, I would agree with that. I would. And then as soon as it's at side lighting height, switch the side lights off, hit them with the, the top light, and they're into flower. I think you want them moving up in flower. That's, that is one of the most important factors of it as well. And I'm thinking if you've got a side lighting, at least intense enough side lighting, you know, you know, it's like if you pull a coda yeah. over, the buds start going up. They're going the yeah. wrong way. Going the wrong way. But it doesn't mean, I'm not saying it doesn't work. I'm saying if if you're using a 100 watt LED or a 100 watt light in a 60 by 60, then maybe yes. But if you're using you know, big lights, so 400, 600 watts of light directly above the plant, I can't see anything other than a 250 watt side lighting being beneficial even then if it wouldn't be detrimental to the point that it might end up confusing the plant about where it's going i yeah. don't think I, mean, I, I, I wanted to get it covered because it's yeah. one of them that it comes up in loose conversations sometimes and i'm always unsure like i would love to have it 
but I don't know if, like, like I say, in my ideal kind of, if it was legal and somebody gave me a walk-in freezer and was like, okay, go mad, I, I would bolt. I've got a kit that I plan to use as sideliding in that scenario. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, yeah, is I don't think it's something that is going to really make or break that. Well, no, I think it might detriment the yield for power output, but I don't know if it would affect anything for the area. It's like I mentioned, I just don't. I, someone that's growing plants, and should I say, should that be in, if you're growing a plant and you're getting an ounce of plant and you're growing under, I don't know, 100 watt of LED. So you could be doing a lot better than an ounce of plant. Maybe additional lighting would be a band-aid on the problem of giving it more light um but if you know what you're doing you've had a bit of experience yet i, I don't see a place for it i don't think you this is the thing is this is what we sort of alluded to with um in the lighting conversation is the fact of are you going to get more than what um for the lighting that you're using so the lighting that we're using am i going to get more than the 600 watt of light that we're adding in another 200 i don't think so I think I'm maxed out. What I'm getting at is like the LED. I'm going to bump it up to 720 watt. In like my a bell head, curve. I already know yeah. I'm doing it wrong. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I'm not going to beat 480 watt of LED, gram per watt, uh, or, or yield, I don't think, by adding another 240 watt of LED. I just, I'm not going to do it. But I'm going to try it because that's what I do. But I just don't think I'm going to do it. It's the same way if I was to put a 1,000 watt HID lamp in my tent, because I'm experienced in my tent and my growing style, I don't think it would beat my 600 watt. Mm. I don't. Uh, but I think if I was a new grower and I'd done one grow with a 600 and put a thousand watt in, then yeah, I think it would beat it. But would that be experience or would that be the light putting the band-aid onto my training method that isn't perfected yet? Yeah, I get what you mean. Yeah. So, so, so you might get 13 ounces with a 600 watt and you might bump it up to 20 with a thousand watt, but there's still people turning out 30 with yeah. the 600 exactly yeah that, that's that's that is exactly it yeah i haven't hit anything like what i've seen other people do in my area i've been growing for a long time i don't think i ever will i think i'm a bit lazy in some people and i like i like the way i grow it's not about numbers it's very important to say that but what i'm saying is is if someone else is hitting 34 of a strain that i cannot get more than 24 out of i don't think it's the light i think it's me i don't think the light's going to be that band-aid and i don't think sideline is going to help me do it <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, man. So, I, yeah, it's uh, like I say, it was just kind of one that I wanted to hit on because we have, yeah. I think we've touched most of the, most of the things people jump to when you're like, how can I increase my yield for the area? Uh, so I want to do a how to increase your yield soon because I think people will be shocked at the answers they're going to get because it isn't going to be a bottle of rocks, but it's, it's, <sighs> Yeah, I think there's a lot to play with this. And I kept away from one subject that's saying that really niggles my head. I'm going to write it down so it doesn't. But uh, yeah, as in how to increase your yield. But we're not telling people how to do it. We're telling people, we're telling how we go about increasing our yield is the way I want to do that. Because I think it would be very interesting how we've evolved as growers. Because truly, there's no other way to increase your yield. You're not going to get, all right, there may be products out there that might bump it up in the wrong ways. But our journey as a grower is how we increase yield and how we increase quality more importantly, but the two things are one and the same, but I think different, yeah. different discussions. So 
that's I, I like that you said that because I I've always thought you know the healthiest plant is always going to produce the most. Yeah, the LED. Just what I'll keep going about the LED growth. LED HPS. The sides on the left smelt better. Just looked happier. Looked smaller, but weighed more. It was a happier plant, man, and the quality was better um, underneath it. So. Yeah, I think they're hand in hand, but definitely different conversations. And it's, yeah, it's, it is, but that's how you increase yield. How did you increase yield over the last five, four, four or five years? How did I increase it over time and growing? How does that's it? It's a growing journey, but I, I think it'll be an amazing one. And I think it ties really ties into what we're talking about, but I'm staying away from it. So that will come up at some point. <laughs> <laughs> no, very soon, no doubt.